welcome to UAQ Pod, episode 12, What Caused the Boston Massacre? Yeah, so we decided to... Oh wait, who are you? Oh, I don't know who I am. I'm Julia. <laughs> I'm Sid. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm Sid. I'm Julia. Obviously. I'm the cool one, so... Sit. What? I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> you can call me Sid. Anyways, this is our second recording of the day, so we might be a little silly. We're also in our second class. Like one third for me, I think. So we'll Ooh. see how it goes. I'm excited to see how this goes. But this is another shorty. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. I know I said it to you the other day. You were like, I don't I love that. Because I think we're like, Which, we'll look for another shorty. Yeah, we'll look for another shorty. <laughs> but we're talking about like episodes, short episodes. Because we just to go with another recommended topic. Yes, and also Again, this is actually from the same person who recommended the last one. So shout out Tristan. Thanks, Tristan. We appreciate you. You really are. Keep throwing these at us. Um, And we do have a couple more listener recommendations that Mm -hmm. we'll We'll put in. Yeah, we'll implement them in. Yes. But these were perfect because these are shorties. They were shorties. And it's perfect for like, because we're going on vacation. So we kind of want to throw something in for you guys. And we both had never heard heard of either the emu war which we just covered if you haven't listened to that listen to episode 11 it's a great episode Mm -hmm. um but yeah this one is about the great boston molasses flood ever heard of it no i didn't until now and i wonder if that's like a huge thing that's covered in the history in Massachusetts. I would assume it have to be. I don't know. But yeah. I don't or maybe they covered up about it. It's not, it's, it didn't stick with me if we learned, we, if we learned about it. it. No. Molasses <laughs> didn't stick with you. But should we just dive right let's in? Just, let's just wing it. All right. All right. I'll just get started here. The Great Molasses Flood, also known as the Boston Molasses Disaster or the Boston Molassacre. Love July that name. Terrible, but I love it. <laughs> it occurred on January 15th, 1919 in the North End neighborhood of Boston, Massachusetts. Yes. So that's 104 years ago this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They celebrated yeah. that shit. Yep. Yep. <laughs> they do. Every anniversary, I believe they, and I think I threw something in at the end here. Oh, good. They I do know. kind of, I don't want to say celebrate, but they acknowledge it. We'll talk about that a tiny bit. Basically, at this time, there was a large storage tank that was filled with 2.3 million U.S. gallons of molasses, weighing approximately 12,000 tons. So that's and 8 million, million liters. Thank you, because I didn't do that again. I'm not I'm not going to convert for you guys. I don't know why I do it. I'm glad that you do it. I'm glad that you're nice enough, because I'm just, I'm not. Every single one of our listeners is like, that's irrelevant to yeah. me. But one day, one day we're going to have someone. We will. This huge tank, though, it burst. And we think about how much it was filled with. 2.3 million gallons. Gallons, and it weighed 12,000 tons and it burst with molasses with molasses <laughs> it's not just water it's molasses and a wave of molasses rushed through the streets at an estimated 35 miles per hour which that <laughs> that's coming back because that wasn't our easy yes so it was moving as fast as an emu it was moving as fast <laughs> as an emu can run that's nuts that's fast and it killed 21 people and injured 150 so a lot of casualties a lot of injuries Mm -hmm. the event eventually entered local folklore and residents claimed for decades after this that the area still smelled of molasses on hot summer days Mm -hmm. which sounds kind of nice 
I think. I don't know. Does molasses smell good? I've never thought molasses smelled good. Isn't it like a spicy sweet? Yeah. I, we used to have to mix molasses water for the goats after they would kid. Mm-hmm. Um, just for their like bounce back in a sense, mm-hmm. like their immunity and health and strength and whatnot. So like for a day or two after they gave birth, we would mix it up. And I just hate did it. I don't know. The smell. Some people like it. Yeah. Not for me. It's just so thick and sticky and... But could you imagine a wave of it? No. Could you imagine dying in it? No. I can't. And when I first heard this topic or about the flood, I was like, what? Were they making a shit ton of cookies? No, that's not. That obviously is not what they were doing, Sid. Okay, shut up. Molasses can be fermented to produce ethanol, which is the active ingredient in alcoholic beverages and a key component in munitions, which is what they use for weapons, ammunition, equipment, etc. So that's what they were using it for. For World War One at the time. So back mm-hmm. to the 1914 to 1918 era. Right. I was wrong. It had nothing to do with cookies. No, you were way off. I was way off. <laughs> way off. <laughs> way off. Yeah, I didn't know it was used for munition, though. Mm-mm. So that was I mean, learning. I also didn't really know it was used for alcohol, to be honest. I guess we did know, but I never really thought about it. Mm. Huh. But we learned something. We did. That's the point of this. Anyway, this disaster occurred at the Purity Distilling Company facility. And a considerable amount of molasses had been stored there by the company, which used the Harborside Commercial Street Tank to offload molasses from ships and store it for later transfer by pipeline to the Purity Ethanol plant in Cambridge, Massachusetts. That was surprising to me that, I mean, it shouldn't be, but like using a pipeline to transfer it. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize, like, I don't know. Well, and this Purity Distilling Company was actually a subsidiary of the United States Industrial Alcohol, which is yes. like the USIA. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, this is like government ran. Mm-hmm. Poorly ran. Poorly yeah. ran by the government. Surprise. This molasses tank stood 50 feet tall and was 90 feet in diameter. Massive. Do you have conversions for that, Jules? No. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> and it held as much as just over 2 million gallons, which was enough to to fill three and a half Olympic sized swimming pools. Wow. That was it in perspective. Yes. Three and a half Olympic sized swimming pools is what could fit in there. And the tank was made from steel, which was a little more than half an inch thick. Hmm. It's not very thick. No. Well, that explains the the problems that are about to come Mm -hmm. up. So on January 15th, 1919, the temperatures in Boston had risen above 40 degrees Fahrenheit, climbing rapidly from the frigid temperatures of the preceding days. So it warmed up a little bit. And, you know, most things... Are affected by that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the previous day, a ship had delivered a fresh load of molasses, which had been warmed to reduce its viscosity for transfer. You know, more fluid, a little thinner. But there were reports, um, and even notes like from the company that the tank quickly became problematic right away after like the use of it when they started utilizing it, which that was in 1918, I believe, right? I don't know what the date, but they, um, it was leaking. Like Mm -hmm. it would just like ooze out. And then it often would emit like rumbling noises Mm -hmm. that was just like ignored every time. And I'm sure we'll both get back into that, but it was right away. Mm -hmm. So they ignored these things. Right. Basically money. Mm -hmm. There was new molasses added mixed with some old molasses. Temperatures were fluctuating a little bit higher and Possibly due to the thermal expansion of the older, colder molasses that was already in the tank, 
the tank burst and it collapsed at approximately 12.30 p.m. that day. So right around lunch, you're biting into your sandwich and the ground shakes. Let's hope you were not on those streets. Let's hope because the townspeople described what they heard like it was like a roar as it collapsed. It was a loud rumble, a crashing, a deep growling, a thunderclap like bang, and a sound like a machine gun as the rivets shot out of the tank. So that's, the rivets are like the, you know, like the bolts kind of mm-hmm. pulling together. Right. This density of the molasses is about 12 pounds per gallon. 12 pounds per gallon. Mm-hmm. And they're 2.5 million gallons, right? 2.3 mm-hmm. or something. 0.3. And molasses is 40% more dense than water. Mm-hmm. So when you think about that. When you That's, know. She a thick bitch. Mm-hmm. This results in it having a great deal of potential energy also. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just like... So the collapse translates this energy into a wave of molasses. How big were those waves? They were fucking huge. It was 15 to 40 feet high of a wave and 160 feet wide, moving again 35 miles. And you can't move away from... Like, you are not getting away from that. No. And it's not... Again, it's not water. Yeah. You can't just... You're not swimming in it. it. You can't. You're not waiting for it to, like, ride the wave out. You're not riding the wave out. No. Some did. I mean, Some yeah. Some made it, but you did not want to get caught in this wave. Oh, God, that'd be awful. Mm-mm. This, the wave had sufficient force to drive steel panels of the tank against an adjacent railway structure and tip an entire streetcar momentarily off its tracks. And you, you think about those old streetcars mm-hmm. on those tracks for transport. It tipped one of those over. Yeah, that's unimaginable. Mm-hmm. There were nearby buildings that were swept off their foundations and were crushed. Yeah, the aftermath, the photos are devastating. Mm-hmm. There were several blocks flooded to depths of two to three feet deep. I just like can't imagine Mm-mm. and the smell. Yeah, the smell, just the residue everywhere, which like just yeah. everything. Well, we'll get into the cleanup a little bit. Oh, good, not fun. Yeah, I can't. I can't imagine what the cleanup was mm-hmm. like. I actually have a quote here from a Boston Post. It might be the same quote it's I found. The same quote. Is this should be this a trigger warning? Mm. Is this for animal casualties? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Okay, trigger warning. There's I love how we have trigger warnings for animals. <laughs> Not for the humans. <laughs> trigger warning, there's deaths. All right. Ready? Mm-hmm. Molasses, waist deep, covered the street and swirled and bubbled about the wreckage. Here and there struggled to form. Whether it was animal or human being was impossible to tell. Only an upheaval, a thrashing about in the sticky mass, showed where any life was. Horses died like so many flies on sticky flypaper. The more they struggled, the deeper in the mess they were ensnared. Human beings, men and women, suffered likewise. I'm going to throw in there, there was also children. So sad. Mm -hmm. Especially with, like, the animals and the children, they definitely have no idea what's, like, I mean, you wouldn't know what's happening either, but you would kind of understand, like, the horses Mm -hmm. are just so awful. Probably in complete panic. Mm -hmm. Everybody is, but I don't, I don't know, I just, I can't imagine, like, like they're trying to tread, but they're, you're not treading this Mm -hmm. stuff. It makes me think of the never-ending story and that horse. Have you watched the never-ending? No. We're going to just, we're not going to get into that because she's not seen it, you guys. For those of you who have seen the never-ending story and the horse is stuck in the mud, it's just freaking (laughs) terrible. 
It's like that, but with molasses. Mm -hmm. So some people were picked up by a rush of air and hurled several feet. So not even like from because the, the wave, energy, mm -hmm, <sighs> but from just the air rushing from the wave. Well, at least they got farther <laughs> away, so they could yes. get away. I'd much rather be hurled by that. Oh my gosh, the impact though! Mm -hmm. Some had debris hurled at them from the tank, or just like everything getting destroyed. It's like bringing shit with it. The, mm -hmm. the buildings, you know. This would be so scary. I don't know, like. I guess like getting bombed or like I don't just like something like this mm -hmm. is crazy to me yeah I can't imagine looking out my window and seeing just a wave of anything even just a giant flip molasses like it's that dark thick color mm -hmm. and like the noise and then you see a big 40 feet foot wave mm -hmm. oh that'd be terrifying mm -hmm. there was even a truck that was picked up and hurled into the Boston Harbor after the initial wave the molasses became viscous due to the cold temperature so it started to thicken up a little bit because mm -hmm. it wasn't as warm as it was and the ones who were trapped and already caught in the wave it made it more difficult to rescue them later because of it getting thicker and stickier right because one how did the rescue people get to them mm -hmm. how did you get them out of that right oh dude awesome there's about, like I said, 150 people who were injured and 21 people who were killed, including some children. And the age ranges of the ones killed were 10 years old to 78 years old. I believe there were two 10-year-olds. Oh, wow. And there were several horses. At least 25 horses were killed. Hmm. They were crushed and drowned by either the molasses or by the debris. That was it. It's so sad, you know. And it could have been preventable. I think that's like what makes me the most mad about all of this. And those that were wounded included obviously humans, horses, and also dogs. Hmm. You could have left the dogs out. <laughs> but they're just wounded though, they weren't killed. Something very common after this for the townspeople were coughing fits. Oh. Mm -hmm. Because of it getting stuck in their lungs or in the air? I guess. I didn't see a whole lot of what caused that, but hmm. it's wild. Mm hmm. Maybe from things exploding, too. Like, many buildings probably use gas. Mm -hmm. Things like that. Or just all the chemicals in the air. Yeah. Going around. Mm -hmm. So after this happened, there were 116 cadets of the Massachusetts Nautical School that arrived on the scene first. They were there to help, so they were docked nearby, and they ran into the flood to pull out survivors. How do you even know how to, like, do that? Like, your rest instinct is just... I know, but like, you're not trained no. to save something, maybe from water, but not molasses. No. You just do your best, I guess. Thankfully, no one who was trying to save people were killed, so... Yeah. And soon after, the Boston police, the Red Cross, the Army, and the Navy all joined to help. There were some nurses who even jumped right into the flood while others were tending to the injured. That's fucking nurses right there. Yeah, and they already went through, like, so much because of the war descending, too. Mm -hmm. Many of them worked through the whole night to try and help people. And there were so many injured that they had to set up a makeshift hospital mm. in a nearby building. That always gives me chills. Because, like, you can just picture, like, the trauma. Yeah. The confusion. The scaredness. The rescuers were having such a hard time getting through the substance. And four days had passed before they gave up searching for people. Like, how do you clean that up? How do you suction that out? Uh, we'll talk because I didn't actually look into like the cleanup that much. I mean, yeah, you'll see a little bit here, but yeah, after four days, they stopped searching for people because it was just they couldn't get through it. And I wonder how fast you died when you were. I would imagine it'd be pretty quick because that it's thick, it just fills. I mean, I don't know if it's, I don't know, I don't know, yeah. Has to be painful. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine. And there were some victims who were unrecognizable from the glaze oh, all over I them. Bet. 
that. Yeah. I wonder if it would drown you or if it would cut off like your oxygen, like suffocate you. I would think it would suffocate you first. I would think it would suffocate you as well. Mm-hmm. But there were some victims who were just swept right into the harbor and they weren't found until three to four months later. Like their bodies washed up. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. After the disaster, there were many residents who sued the United States Industrial Alcohol Company, the USIA, which you mentioned, had purchased the purity distilling in 1917. Mm-hmm. This was one of the first class action suits in Massachusetts, and it's considered a milestone in paving the way for modern corporate regulation. The company claimed that the tank was blown up by anarchists since some of the alcohol produced was to be used in making munitions. I read that they actually, like the USIA claimed that it had been sabotaged and they were talking about the anarchists but quote by evilly disposed persons mm-hmm. i saw that like what the fuck you're a mm-hmm. government regulated like company you can't they're just like nope they blew it up they blew yeah. it up it's like the whole train mm-hmm. thing oh it's someone else's fault it's not but at the time it wasn't entirely implausible that that would have happened because they were known for such things and there were right. 40 explosions linked to anarchists during that year and we'll get into the, the anarchists a little bit too mm-hmm. so it wasn't too far-fetched but it was just like the way they worded it that i was like come on Mm-hmm. Be, be professional right and eventually after several years of hearings they were found responsible obviously and they had to pay out six hundred twenty thousand in damages which it was is millions of dollars actually the longest legal case in the city's history oh i didn't know that mm-hmm. i mean that yeah makes sense and the relatives of the ones who were killed reportedly received about seven thousand per victim so you said seven thousand mm-hmm. um which my numbers i saw i saw six thousand but it's still just for the approximation of today's money yes. it'd be about like seven hundred thousand mm-hmm. in today's money mm-hmm. i believe so still not that much yeah i mean it is it doesn't replace a person lost yeah did you see how much they gave to people who suffered and maybe died afterwards but not died right away no, it was like okay. 600 dollars really yeah wow Which i didn't do a money converter for that so a little bit of the cleanup here they used salt water to wash away the molasses and sand was used to absorb it that was really all that they wait could can do. you say that again so instead of just water of hosing it down they used salt water to okay. wash it away and then they used sand to absorb it okay wow Mm-hmm. Interesting. In the immediate area that it happened in, it took weeks for them to clean it. And that's with several hundred people helping. Mm-hmm. Weeks still. And it took even longer, like months, to clean the rest of the area. And like you said, the smell of molasses, they said that's it for like years afterwards. Mm-hmm. I saw... Decades. They, could, they claim... I mean, they claim, claim... On like warm summer days that they could still smell well, for decades. There was this... I saw this one... Um, he was a meter reader for a Boston gas company that was interviewed, I think, by Boston Post. I don't have that marked here, but I will have my stuff in the show notes. But in 1960s, he was interviewed. So that is mm-hmm. decades later. When he went into basements of buildings from across the tank site, he could still smell molasses. <laughs> And then, like, the buildings were filled up to the first floor with the molasses. Wow. So, it definitely could be plausible. Mm -hmm. I I could believe it. And it it took them so long to clean, too, because people tracked the molasses all over the place. Mm -hmm. And even the horses, mm -hmm. because it was in, like, their water troughs and stuff, so they would drip it through the city. Yeah, it, it was, you know, put onto buses. It was all over the place. 
Like how, you can't get something like that away yeah. like right away. And there was even a quote that everything that a Bostonian touched was sticky. <laughs> I like that quote. And even the harbor was brown for months after this. Oh, I bet. Mm-hmm. I'm going in that water. Okay. All right. Do you want to get into some of the possible causes uh, for yeah. the tank bursting? Yes. I have a thing I want to cover first. Okay. I don't really have like the possible causes in a sense. Let me just get into it and we can add. Okay. How about that? Sounds good. You talked about its impact on big business. Mm-hmm. So from the moment of the flood forward and into the early Roosevelt years, the entire relationship between government and businesses changed due to this flood. There were far more laws, statutes, and regulations imposed by the government on business. And this marked the first major decision against a large major U.S. corporation in this period. So this was like massive for like just businesses in history, mm-hmm. like moving forward. It's, it's kind of crazy that it takes something like that. Right. It's on, it's, its own watershed event in a sense. So modern construction standards, including the need for supervising architects and engineers, the documentation, all the process with zoning, things like that was a result after this devastation caused by the molasses flood. So like you said, it's just crazy that something like this is what, or you could just do whatever the fuck you wanted. Yeah. While we've covered the most basic facts alone of the devastation, there's actually quite a bit more peculiarity and significance that goes beyond the surface. So let's dive in. (laughs) Stephen Pulio, a historian and the author of Dark Tide, the Great Boston Molasses Flood of 1999, explains the deep truths of his research. Quote, the most major events that America was dealing with at this time quite literally ch- touches the story. That goes from World War One to the anarchist movement to immigration. There's just like a lot going on at this time. Mm-hmm. So we'll start with World War One. The 2.5 million gallon storage tank belonged to the United States Industrial Alcohol, USIA, like we said. Mm-hmm which bought out the Massachusetts-based purity distilling company and its tanks about a year before and made significant business during World War One. Mm-hmm. So World War One was really like what they were trying to produce and push out as much as they possibly could. Making the weapons and the ammunition. Right, exactly. Up until the fighting stopped and two months before the massive flood, the USIA was cranking out industrial alcohol for domestic munition manufacturers. Manufacturers. The French and British governments, and later in 1917 for the United States government. Quote, about 99% of the molasses that that was stored in that tank was processed and distilled into industrial alcohol and then further processed and used in the production of TNT, nitroglycerin, high explosives, and high explosives for the war effect. End quote. Paleo. Paleo. Not really sure how to... Yeah, it's P-U-L-E-O. That's just part of like the World War One in a very brief wrap-up. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were really pushing out production here. Mm-hmm. And all they cared about was money. Yes. And then there's the anarchist movement, which you said. Mm-hmm. So anarchism saw an increase across the globe in the early 1900s, and its threat was real even in Boston. In 1916, anarchists blew up a police station on Salutation Street in the North End, a neighborhood that had become the National Italian Anarchist Movement. Quote, months and years later, following the flood, the city and government officials were targeted with bomb attacks. Like you said, there were many attacks, mm-hmm. and some of those were successful and some were not. This was across the country, but also especially in Boston. I think what was it like 40 mm-hmm. in Boston? Yeah, which uh, is a large amount. It's a ton. It's scary too. The USIA tried to peg the anarchist movement to the tank rupture while in the court the following year. So that's where that quote 
comes from, like we said. But unlike molasses, the argument didn't stick. (laughs) And that's when they were ordered to pay the damages that we, you know, talked about. Mm -hmm. And then we move into immigration. So the time of the flood... There, the North End, which was where the flood occurred, had about 40,000 residents, and it was crammed into small a small neighborhood that was home to mainly Italian immigrants who had that anarchist mm-hmm. movement. Most of them were not U.S. citizens, and it was a lengthy, lengthy process for native-born Italians at the time. They could not vote, and without local influence and without a voice, they really didn't have much say in anything. And they weren't taken seriously, and no one cared. They didn't have rights. So here's another quote from Puleo. So when the tank is plunked down on the waterfront, there's barely a whimper, not only from the neighborhood, but from the Boston political hierarchy. Even when it starts leaking from day one, big, huge leaks right down the side of that 50-foot tank, barely a, barely a mention from anybody of any influence. And quite frankly, even after the disaster, there's about two days of outrage. And then that almost goes away. End quote. Mm-hmm. Bottom line is the immigration issues and lack of voices is what led the company to even build the tank on the waterfront with no pushback from the people who live there. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have a say. They didn't have a vote. They couldn't go to these hearings or anything. And they saw the signs of the issues and the few that were brought up was ignored, obviously. Mm-hmm. So this all could have been avoided. Yes. I really don't have like the real causes of it, but there's a lot of factors that can go into people not being heard, people being blamed, mm-hmm. and money and government. Yep. I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? I'm not surprised by any of it. I'm not either. Unfortunately, I'm really not. And like you mentioned, it was from the very beginning. They should have seen the signs of what was going to inevitably happen. And if you don't mind, I'm going to jump into a little, a few of the causes here. So some of the causes, the tank, like previously mentioned, leaked from the very beginning when it was filled in 1915. Again, this happened in what? 1919. Four years. They're just ignoring a leak for four years. And it was from the beginning, poorly constructed. And there was carbon dioxide production that may have raised the internal pressure due to fermentation in the tank and warmer weather could have made that worse. So that was another reason it could have burst. Hmm. The weather is like, sorry. Mm -hmm. I feel like the weather is like a big factor. Yes. Yeah. And could you imagine, I mean, it sounds like it's not far off from the weather here. Mm Mm-mm. It's hot and it's cold. It's hot and it's cold. Mm-hmm. That's going to mess things up. And if you have steel, it's half an inch thick, thick and you're not prepared for weather and temperature changes, then bad right. things will happen. Right. Not to mention, like, it can't be good for the chemical composition of it if it's getting hot and cold and hot and cold. No, not at all. And it's thin. Mm-hmm. Like you said, what, an inch and a half? Mm-hmm. And it's already leaking. So then it's there's, half an inch even. there's the outside exposure getting into the inside. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just wild. Yes. They also said that there was likely a crack that had just grew over time. It was never so it, like, addressed. Expanded. Mm-hmm. It, it was pushing out as the molasses. Yeah, cracking. And there was an inquiry that happened after the disaster that revealed that the company's treasurer neglected basic safety tests during construction of it. 
such as filling it with water to check for leaks before they put molasses in it. They didn't even do that. They just put the molasses straight in it. They didn't even save money, save time. Let's Why just not? put this together. I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure there's no We're geniuses. Anywhere. There's no problems. They ignored groaning sounds each time it was filled. They're like, this is fine. Everything's fine. Molasses just groans. It just groans. It's, it's hungry. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to feed the beast. The treasurer had no architectural or engineering experience at all. <laughs> but yet he was in charge of that. Let's check that out. When the tank was filled, it leaked so badly that instead of, you know, fixing it, they decided just to paint it brown to hide the leaking. Are you kidding me? No. And the residents knew about it and they would go and they would collect some of that molasses for themselves and take it home. Mostly children they knew. Think about how much you take, could use. With, yeah. Yeah, they would go take their cups and jars and they would collect it and take it home. And it was a poor, like, society mm-hmm. there. Yep. <laughs> there was, like, sort of a newer investigation with newer technology in 2014 that said that the steel was half as thick as it should have been for a tank that size. Mm-hmm. And the steel is just itself because it was, it was lacking like a major chemical component mm-hmm. at the time that it was so brittle that it never would have withstood that anyway. <laughs> so they have many faults. Yes. So all of these factored into it bursting. Not the anarchists blowing it up. No. This was a long time coming. It's just unfortunate people got caught up in that. Mm-hmm. And after it happened, the tank wasn't rebuilt. They let that go. And currently, it's like, I think we mentioned earlier, or maybe we didn't, but it's a recreational complex now. So there's like parks and... We didn't mention that, but I'm glad you did. Yeah, I think there's like a plaque too in like memory. Mm-hmm. There is. And the least they can do is make a plaque. Every year they have, they sell, I don't want to say celebrate, but they acknowledge the anniversary of what happened. Back in 2019, for the 100th anniversary, they used ground penetrating radar to find the exact location of the tank and the concrete slab base that was what the tank sat on. It still remains in place approximately 20 inches below where the current baseball diamond is at the park. Oh, weird. I think you're just like walking over top of that. Yeah. I mean, we're walking over top of all of the history of the world. Yeah. Did you... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Just another thing of like where it was. So it was on Boston's waterfront commercial street opposite of Cops Hill. And I, when it described that, I was like, should I know what Cops Hill is? Mm -hmm. Do you? No. So Cops Hill is known as Cops Hill Burying Ground. And it was Boston's largest colonial burning ground. Burying? Burying ground. Like burial ground. Yes. Burial ground. It's like named burying. That's why I think I'm struggling here. (laughs) And I did write burning. So it's the largest (laughs) colonial burying ground dating from 1659. And it was used continually through the... 1850s. It's the final resting place of over 10,000 people, which has nothing to do with this, but I was like, oh, huh. I've never heard of that. How do you spell it? Cops. Mm-hmm. So it's C O P P. Okay. Apostrophe S. Hill. Gotcha. Because at first I thought you were going to tell me that that's just where they buried all the cops. Cops. I know. Well, that's why I looked into it. I was like, well, what's Cops Hill? Like, why does it sound? It's a p- opposite of Cops Hill. And I was like, well, I don't know what Cops so Hill a is. a giant ass cemetery. Yeah. Huh. Which, like I said, has nothing to do with this. Right. But. I guess the molasses didn't reach there, which is probably good. You know, I should have looked into that. I wonder. No, because it probably would have messed up all those gravestones. But if you do look at, like, I mean, gravestones over the years, they do. But there are some that are like this. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if it did. Maybe if there's molasses still in them. A little it's sweet like treat for those. Seep down into the ground. Corpses. Into the caskets. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. 
Interesting. But they, it did say that, I mean, it, one, look up the pictures, which we'll probably continue to try and put pictures in our, like, mm-hmm. sources, show notes. But it looks like a massive flood just destroyed everything. Yeah. It, but it's molasses. And obviously the colors aren't, the pictures aren't in color. Mm-hmm. But it... <laughs> It is sad and it destroyed a bunch of buildings, a bunch of foundations. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Oh, I thought it was funny. I kept bringing it back up that payphones were a common location that citizens would find molasses residue after the spill. Hmm. I mean, well, like I mentioned before, people were tracking it all over the place. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure people were running to the payphones. To call people and stuff. And then it just sticks in there and like, yeah. how cleaning that? It is wild. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't believe I've never heard of it. Yeah, I don't ever remember learning about this. But, like, you don't learn a ton of things with different states. Mm-hmm. Like. No, we normally just have, like, the Civil War. Mm-hmm. That's about it. That's about it. <laughs> I was like, wait, I'm pausing, but I don't know anything else to keep saying. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's it. So... Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was a good topic for us. So thanks again, Tristan. Appreciate you. <laughs> yeah. Throw some more at us. Yeah, seriously. I, I just, this is so far fetched and bizarre. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. And I'm sure there's tons more of weird things like this that we've never heard about, but we'll have to find. I'm sure we will. <laughs> they're, they're good shorties. We mm-hmm. found those shorties. Shorties. Give me a shorty. Well, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. Oh, and we can re we can announce our thirteenth episode. Ooh, it's yes. not going to be a surprise, right? So our next episode, number thirteen, is going to be about the number thirteen and the superstitions behind it and everything thirteen. I'm sure we're going to learn so much. Actually, I'm sure. I, I can't wait. Ton about it. So. Cannot wait. All right. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Don't forget to send us your topic recommendations, any questions you have, any comments, comments, concerns, concerns. I feel like these two recordings are health, our mental health seems okay. So. Yes, we're good. We don't have to. Hopefully you're not concerned right now. Yeah, don't throw that. We're so good. You can email <laughs> us way. at uaqpod at gmail.com. You can like and follow us follow us on facebook at unprofessionals asking questions you can comment on our post dm us there you can also follow our instagram page at uaq pod and we also set up a patreon page so patreon.com slash uaq if you feel so inclined you can donate to the page and that will fund the podcast because again we're technically an indie podcast yes we're an indie podcast because we do I'm going to say we do everything, but no, Julie does everything. No, we do everything (laughs) together. We collab 100%. I do the editing, but Mm -hmm. in collaboration with Sid. Yes. We do everything together by ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we're currently funding it by ourselves. So please help us. Yeah, if you like the show, support us. If you want to see it improve, the quality improve, things like that, mm-hmm. then we'll get better. If you're equipment. able, we have different tiers. We have the dollar tier, which is a, the wanderer, mm-hmm. and then we have the novice, five dollars, and then we have the unprofessional, ten dollars. So if you do feel like supporting us, it really will help in the grand scheme of things, just overall mm-hmm. helping improve the podcast. Yeah. So that could be better equipment, mm-hmm. better locations. Yes. Maybe studio, maybe booties for scrappy yeah, little toes. Like <laughs> so you don't hear all the clicking. <laughs> but let us know if you like the clicking. Yeah, I don't know. If you think it's cute, then we'll leave it. But yeah, yeah, and maybe eventually we'll do bonus episodes for the ones that are donating, special ones for you guys only, and also merchandise. Yeah, I forgot to print merch. 
So eventually we'll get there. We're not there yet. We have a little ways to go, but with your help, hopefully we'll get there sooner. And we appreciate all the support we have gotten thus far not in donations, but just mm-hmm. listening, just in comments, general. especially our moms. Thanks, guys. Thank you. You guys are our number one supporters <laughs> forever and always. We appreciate you. We love you. So, yeah. Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.